Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and this is our show for the week of April 18th, 2019. On today's show, Jim pays tribute to Disney's 3D sound effects shows, such as Sounds Dangerous. Plus, we've got all the news that fits and listener questions. But first, let's bring in the man who says the only way to understand what paranoid people are going through is to follow them around and see. One Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? Excuse me. I, I have to duck behind a tree here for a moment. <laughs> so, reasonably well, except for the, you know, the, the paranoid people. All right, Jim. Uh, before we begin, let's do a quick shout out to subscribers over at DisneyDish.Bandcamp.com. Thanks to new subscribers, Alan H., Judith S., and Maxfield. And longtime subscribers, Edison Dave, Stephen S., and Collins W. True story, Jim. This isn't the first time these folks have been grouped together. In fact, they were Sunny Eclipse's backup singers, the Space Angels, for the original cast recording of Cosmic Ray's Starlight Cafe. I did not know that. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, though. Uh, didn't I hear that Judith also gets co-writer credit on Sunny's mega hit Gravity Blues? <laughs> I'm just saying, Jim. Reunion tours are all the rage these days. If Guns N' Roses can do it, one of these kids. Before I forget, we should mention their groupies. Uh, we have Salvador M. and his lovely daughter, Sophia. Oh, right, right. Yes, they reached out on Twitter. Thanks for listening, folks. Mm -hmm. All right, Jim, let's uh, jump into the news here. We've got a bunch of stuff to go over. Don't forget, folks, the Disney Dish News is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Disney Dish podcast. For a worry-free travel experience every time, book online at storybookdestinations.com. All right, Jim, looks like the invitations for Galaxy's Edge's media preview has gone out for Disneyland. I'm told it might be spread out over a few days or nights right before the official opening, like May 28th, 29th, and 30th, with separate events for uh, travel agents, online media, and print media. That would uh, seem to make any sort of paid preview events before that unlikely, right, Jim? Yeah, I, I'm sorry, Len, but this is Disney's Hollywood Studios, Toy Story Land, all over again. I mean, I realize people pay top dollar for annual passes and expect to get access or early access because of that, but I, realistically... In this case, that's not happening till the fall out in Anaheim. And in fact, what I've been hearing is what Disney, I, it, I guess is a make good, is going to offer is that when Rise of the Resistance is finally up and running, that that's when they'll allow the paid preview events or the annual pass holder special access, that sort of thing. But again, we're a couple of months out from that. A lot of months, actually. Uh, yeah, from uh, from the opening of Rise of the Resistance. There we go. I just wonder how much how much money Disney has decided to forego by not doing paid preview events for like the week before the opening of Galaxy's Edge. Because again, we, we've talked about this. They could have gotten $1,000 a ticket for Absolutely. easy, Absolutely. but for thousands of people. I mean, they literally could have made millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you have to take the 30,000-foot view. And if that week is crucial... Oh, yeah, for, I understand, yeah. You know, getting that place finaled, that's the smarter way to go. I wonder why they picked May 31st. I mean, again, they could have they could, could have picked June 4th mm -hmm. and done five days of previews at, you know, a million dollars a pop. Anyway, I'm sure they know what they're doing over there. Here's hoping. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jim, uh, over in Walt Disney World, the Orlando Sentinel got a look at the gondolas coming to uh, Walt Disney World. They confirmed that they'll hold 10 people, and it looks like the operational speed of these things will be around 11 miles an hour. That's a little slower than we had heard the top speed was, 
But overall, uh, in reading the article, it looked like everything was in line with what we thought it was going to be. Picture this lens, somebody from the Sentinel sitting discreetly in the parking lot at Disney Hollywood Studios with a radar gun. Is, is that how we got? <laughs> <laughs> they, they might have been quoted some official statistics, Jim. That's okay, all I'm saying. Okay, you know, because are we just looking forward to the security wrestling them to the ground? So the Orlando Sentinel reporter, uh, Gabrielle Rasson, is a marathon runner. I'm assuming she sort of like ran <laughs> there we alongside go. it and said, look, there this, we go. this feels like about a five and a half minute pace. <laughs> okay. All right. That works I'm too. sure they have their techniques, Jim. It's, uh, it's the Sentinel. They know what they're doing. There we go. All right, Jim. Over in Disneyland, we have a question from mm. listener Xavier M. Mm -hmm. He says, a rumor in Mice Age mm -hmm. says that a new daytime parade is coming to Disneyland in 2020 called Magic Happens. Mm -hmm. Jim, what's going on here? Mickey's Sensational Parade debuted back in May of 2001. Good, solid show, but there's going to be a lot of people inside of Galaxy's Edge. And frankly, mm -hmm. in the middle of the afternoon, Disney would love a lot of them to step out of the land to make room for other people. Yeah. So what better way do they do that than to launch a brand new parade in the summer of 2020? And now the question is, will it work? And, you know, what exactly do you have to put in that parade to get somebody to leave Aga's Cantina? I am imagining Bob Iger fan dancing. <laughs> <laughs> so so that's little is it little egypt doing the hoochie coochie is that the uh, the thing from the, the line from the carousel of progress there we go there we go so. all right jim a follow-up question on that have you heard anything at all about a nighttime parade for the magic kingdom in Walt Disney world supposedly this is this news is being held back for the d23 expo in august okay and this will be the Magic Kingdom's big offering for the 50th anniversary. All right. So that's when we should expect to hear something about it in, uh, in August. There you go. Jim, uh, another listener question. Listener David T. asks, mm -hmm. is there any connection with Disneyland closing Big Thunder Ranch and Disney World opening a barbecue experience? It would make some sense to repurpose all the recipes. On the topic of uh, Big Thunder Ranch, there is a photo of the recipes floating around Facebook. Is this legitimate or is it another Neiman Marcus cookie recipe? Well, so, Jim, first question is, uh, let's talk about the uh, mm -hmm. Big Thunder Ranch Barbecue. It's been over three years now since the Big Thunder Ranch Barbecue closed at Disneyland Park. That was, what, mm -hmm. back January 2016, just as the the first very first prep work was beginning for Galaxy's Edge. I'm sensing mm -hmm. a theme, Len. But given that the Woody's Roundup thing is only a three-day thing at the, the, the Contemporary Resort, what, the fourth, fifth, and sixth of this year, mm -hmm. I seriously doubt the, the two events are connected. That said, though, I did love the food at Big Thunder Ranch Barbecue and would love to be able to sample this stuff again. Well, speaking of uh, sampling at Jim, we, we have the recipes, apparently. There we go. The image, uh, uh, Jim, we'll, we'll try and post this uh, mm -hmm. on either jimhillmedia.com or on mm -hmm. disneydish.bandcamp.com. But the citrus roundup barbecue rub looked mm -hmm. pretty tasty there. It's got uh, seasoning salt, sugar, brown sugar, cumin, chili powder, cayenne pepper, paprika, Lemon pepper, garlic mm. powder, and onion powder? Mm. Sounds tasty to me. Yeah. There's a baked beans uh, recipe that includes vegetarian baked beans. Any brand of barbecue sauce. I was a little suspicious about the any brand. Because mm -hmm. if, if you know barbecue sauce, Jim, there's a wide uh, range oh, of flavor. Yeah. yeah. Some Big Thunder barbecue rub, which is another recipe. It's mm -hmm. uh, sugar, paprika, chili powder, garlic powder, black pepper, and, and cayenne pepper. Sure. Mm. And then some granulated sugar. Mm -hmm. And again, you're right about the barbecue, any 
brand, I think the, the folks at the Polite Pig would really take you. <laughs> <with that. laughs> I'd like to have a word with you about that particular thing. You know what? I'm actually reasonably good friends with Pam Brandon, who's mm-hmm. authored all of the official Disney cookbooks. I will ask Pam to weigh in on these recipes. Mm-hmm. By the way, folks, if you want to check out Pam's website, pambrandon.net, for her non-Disney food reviews and cookbooks, go ahead and do that. Yeah, we will be sharing this. And I have to say, if I remember correctly, when Big Thunder Ranch first opened back in June of 86, if you went and you asked the cast members who were working as servers about this, they did supposedly have a handout that they, oh. they'd have to guess. So maybe this is legit. Let's wait for, for Pam to weigh in before we go definitive here. Jim, uh, alert listener Rebecca C. sent us in this interesting Disney Cruise Line survey question. It goes like this. Thinking about the total combined financial assets of all members of your household, which of the following ranges best describes your household's total investable assets in U.S. dollars? So, Jim, first of all, did you realize that there was an economics lesson on your Disney cruise? I'm just sitting here in my chair waiting for my pina colada, Len, but but please. (laughs) It says uh, include any cash you have in in checking or savings accounts, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, insurance policies, closely held businesses, and any money you have in IRAs or employer-sponsored retirement funds, as well as equity and real estate you own, excluding your primary residence. This is like, I think they're quoting the tax code here. Anyway, Mm -hmm. the ranges go from under 25,000 to uh, there's a ranges for in the couple hundred thousand dollar range, a million to five million, five million to ten million, ten million or more. And I'm thinking, Jim, if you're filling out the survey and you've got more than ten million dollars in assets, it's actually one of your bankers that's doing it for you, right? It's the kind right. of thing that you have somebody else click on for you. Mm-hmm. First of all, this is a bold question to ask, right? Basically, mm-hmm. what's your household's net worth? Mm-hmm. What what happens if you give an answer? You put together a survey for a very specific reason, and the cruise line. It's looking for information for possible future expansion. I mean, you're familiar with the Grand One, right? The the 52-foot yacht you can rent by the hour, the Grand Floridian, right? Yep. I've been on it. Yeah, we know. It's the same thing here. It's like comes with its own captain and deckhand. You go out in Seven Seas Lagoon. You have an amazing you know, viewing spot for Happily Ever After. And by 2023, the Disney Cruise Line will be up to a fleet of seven ships. But the way that... I hear it. Obviously, over just like the last five to ten years, Disney has really honed in on its wealthiest fans. I mean, you know, the, the folks who it's not enough to live at Celebration. They have to live on property. So we got Golden right. Oak at, at Walt Disney World. So evidently, there has been discussion of adding an eighth ship to the fleet. But the difference is, wow, this is a super yacht. Oh, so like one of those uh, smaller ships, but super, super high end, like Silver Seas or uh, something like that. That's it. Exactly. Okay. Okay. You have this, this super yacht that's available to those who are willing to pay a premium price for a truly exclusive magical experience. And so this could be the fact finding portion of that project, Len. And, and, and as I understand it, what, what they've talked about is they'd build a separate slip for this thing at Castaway Key and... By the way, if we heard anything new about the other island? Uh, Lighthouse Point? Yeah. We know that there's some development going on. Uh, Scott Sanders over at uh, DisneyCruiseLineBlog.com mm-hmm. has, uh, has covered a lot of it. It looked to be fairly standard development along the lines of what you would expect for a Castaway Key. I didn't see anything major there about like hotel development or anything like that. Okay. If this is part of the equation, so to speak, we may see slips, not slip, hmm. being built. Uh, that's a good point. So I haven't, I haven't looked for that. All right, we'll uh, we'll look for it in uh, in upcoming uh, blueprints. Okay. 
All right, Jim. Finally, this question from listener Bernie. Mm-hmm. Bernie says, are you excited for the potential original content coming to the streaming service Disney Plus? Because I'm so looking forward to the amount of new original content based on various Disney movies. Mm-hmm. After the news that The Clone Wars will be getting a new season for Disney Plus. The one show that I really hope Disney considers would, would, uh, to revive is The House of Mouse, which used to air between 2001 and 2002. Do you think Disney has any plans on reviving this show? So, Jim, we've never talked about The House of Mouse before. What was it? It was a production that Walt Disney Television Animation did. It ran on ABC and Disney Channel uh, January of 2001 through October of 2003. And, and the conceit was that Mickey owned the hippest nightclub in all of Hollywood. And <laughs> all of the Disney characters, I mean, literally, from Oswald going on forward, you know, that they all hung out at this club. And Minnie kept the books. Goofy was the head waiter. Max is Goofy's son. <laughs> was the valet parking Aladdin's carpet. Huey, Dewey, and Louie were the house band. Oh, that's fantastic. Just last week on, on the last show, you and I were talking about Lightning McQueen's uh, Racing Academy. Right. This thing is built right next door to a rock and roller coaster. They were going to build the House of Mouse right next to rock and roller coaster with the notion that the kids would have a place to go meet Mickey and the characters. Parents who had older children who were riding rock and roller coaster would have a place to take the younger members of the family while they were waiting for folks to get off of the coaster. Okay. Disney made a couple of direct-to-video home premieres uh, that were inspired by this. I want to say there was House of Villains. There was also Snowed In at the House of Mouse. It's entirely possible Disney will circle back on it. To be honest, though, given that Disney's building a giant new attraction at the studios on the back of the brand-new Mickey Mouse shorts, you know, I don't know if... I, I quite yeah. see them splitting the character yet again to bring House of Mouse back. Ah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Personally, Jim, I'm hoping for a Lizzie McGuire reunion. That's me and Guy Selga. Ooh, but uh, okay. that would be fantastic, wouldn't it? <laughs> well, <sighs> you know, be careful what you wish for, Len. I would pay money for that. I would, oh. I would, I would sign up. Anyway, okay. Jim, I know we don't uh, talk a lot about uh, Disney TV, but Bernie's letter coincided with Disney filing a trademark mm-hmm. for something called Freeform Nonstop, mm-hmm. uh, which they categorize, and this is a quote, providing incentive award programs for customers through issuance mm-hmm. and processing of loyalty points that can be used to skip commercials. A frequent flyer mile program for watching TV. <laughs> well, the giveaway right. here is the name, Freeform Nonstop. So back in January of 2016, Disney rebranded ABC Family as Freeform. Okay. Disney describes the entire network as being for becomers, those folks who are transitioning out of high school to to their thirties. Wait, which kind becomers? Of, I've never heard this phrase, but this uh, term. Before. Trust me, if you, you Google, Disney puts this whole idea out there that these are, are young people going out in the world and trying to decide what they want to become. Disney wants them to watch Freeform, which because back in the day this used to be part of Pat Robertson's Christian Broadcast Network. He actually started this cable channel back in April of 1977. Wow, okay. There's language in the contract that Disney is contractually obligated every day to present the 700 Club. You should turn into Freeform at 10.58 at night and watch as they transition out of a fairly adult, young, hip, programming block and they literally put up a black card that says you know the show 
that follows does not reflect the values of the Freeform Network, and we'll be back soon. Try not to burn down the place while we're gone. Really? I have to I have to look for this uh, disclaimer now. Seriously. I mean, it, so they it, literally do it as the last show of the night before. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, you know, we're contractually obligated every day. What's the what's the what's the So I can't help but think looking at the name of this I get freeform nonstop and you know the notion of using loyalty points that will allow you to skip commercials. I wonder if this will also allow you to skip the seven hundred club. Huh. So so Disney could fulfill their contractual obligation to present the show, mm-hmm. but no one necessarily has to watch it. There we go. So what happens when you get the lawyers involved, Jim? That's what happens. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's take a quick break here, Jim. After that, you were going to talk us through the history of Disney's 3D sound shows, mm-hmm. like Sounds Dangerous, and we will actually have samples of this uh, for listeners to listen to. So we'll be right back, folks. Coming up after the break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Jim, it was 20 years ago today that Sgt. Pepper taught the band to play. Also, it was 20 years ago this week that Sounds Dangerous with Drew Carey debuted at Disney's Hollywood Studios. That was a 3D sound show that took the place of the old monster sound show and ran through 2012. What was Disney trying to do with this show? Disney, the Walt Disney Company, has always been adventurous when it comes to sound. I mean, either think about it. The, the company basically stepped out of the herd back in November of 1928 when they put Steamboat Willie in theaters, which was the first animated cartoon with synchronized sound. We jump ahead 10 years, and here's Walt and Leopold Stokowski at the Philadelphia Music Academy setting 33 microphones up around 103 musicians so they can then record the soundtrack for what's then known as the concert feature. And when it then came time to theatrically release Fantasia, what what Walt did is Disney technicians had been in bed with RCA and every one of the theaters that was going to show Fantasia with this brand new cutting edge Fantasound system, which would then mm-hmm. make Fantasia the first ever film released commercially with a stereo soundtrack. I mean, the setup was mind boggling. I mean, it's just 64 speakers, 36 of them behind the screen, 22 at the back of the theater and six up in the balcony and this was big dough back in the 40s. I mean, they each of these, if, if you bought all 64 of these speakers to use for this show, that was $30,000. And then an additional $8,000 to install, so that's $145,000 in $2019. And, and this is back when you paid $0.24 cents to go to the movies. And Wow. So the only way they were going to make any of this money back was that they, you know, for example, if you went to a matinee, of uh, Fantasia, it cost you a dollar and ten cents. And if God help you, if you wanted to go to an evening performance, it was twice that, two dollars and twenty cents. Huge startup costs. This is why only thirteen theaters in the entire country. Oh, jeez, thirteen, thirteen. You know who rolled wow. the dice? So Fantasia, when it's released to theaters in 1940, is a is a huge flop. It loses the entire two million dollars Disney invested in the thing. So it took them seven weeks to record it. It wouldn't have been more efficient for the orchestra to just travel to the homes of everyone who saw the movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
We'll beat your house from five to six. There just, you go. You know, just uh, just keep throwing the that lights. money in the we'll bonfire, the okay? <laughs> Len, it, it took three re-releases of Fantasia, one in 1946, one in 56, and finally one in 63 for the movie to finally recover its production costs. And Walt was fascinated with sound. But as his attention and enthusiasm shift from making animated features to building theme parks, his thought shifted to making an audience hone in on, on a single instrument in an orchestra to using sound to get people to shift their heads to focus on a, a character and attraction. We want the redhead. You know, that sort of thing. Got it, got it, got it. And so the Imagineers, because this is Walt's enthusiasm, they, they're constantly playing with sound, and we jump ahead to the 1980s, and the, the Imagineers have zeroed in on technology they really want to bring into the parks, which is binaural sound, which is through, through the use of headphones, you can build an elaborate 3D soundscape right inside of somebody's head. Okay. The only problem is that the Imagineers just can't find the right attraction to bring into the parks where they can debut this technology. And okay, because you got to have headphones on. Yeah, and this binaural sound thing, you know, they kept pulling it out. It's like, what are we going to use this in? They were talk about, well, can we? is there a, a way we can use this in Epcot? And if so, how? And it wasn't till Eisner decided he wanted to do that entertainment pavilion at Future World between uh, Imagination and the Land, which then grew into the MGM Studio Tour, which eventually became Disney MGM Theme Park. That Now, wait a minute. This is going to be a, a celebration and exploration of movie-making process, so why don't we do a show there that explores the Foley process, which is when you add sound effects, you know, after the fact to a finished film. And so that became the Monster Sound Show. And... Finally, because they had a show that was built around sound, they could bring the binaural sound stuff in. Now, mind you, they had to do it in the post-show area, the sound works. This is the area where you could dub your voice into a, a classic Disney cartoon or yep. uh, recreate the hoof uh, sounds of the Headless Horseman's Horse from The Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Crane. But then there was this booth that you could step into and you could put on 3d headphones. This is at the end of the show. Why don't you explain that? You know, you, you, you dug up this great clip, right? Uh, so shout out to uh, Mike Newell of uh, mass world radio who mm -hmm. helped me uh, with these clips. Mm -hmm. But this one is an example of what we mean by 3d sound from Disney's sound stations booths. Mm -hmm. In this clip, you've just become the head of a major motion picture studio and you're being walked through your day on the job. Oh, here's something I know you're really going to enjoy. Your own personal secretary. Shirley, say hello to RJ. Hi, RJ. Why, I heard that even the big cheese himself is coming over here just to see you. That's why I took the liberty of setting up an appointment for you to get your hair done. Shirley? Yes, Mr. Hampton? Would you please send in Ken? Right away, Mr. Hampton. This guy's great, RJ. He's a little clumsy, but he knows how to do a good job. Good morning, all. <laughs> good morning, Ken. Just a trim for RJ today, a little off the sides, and shape out the back, okay? Well, whatever you say. Oh, that's all right. That's Sorry. all right, Ken. I'll pick them up. Oh, thank you. Speaking. That's a neat effect. But what was ultimately frustrating for the Imagineers is they wanted to do more with this. And it just, they felt this technology was strong enough to carry an entire show. And uh, however, their first attempt, the extraterrestrial alien encounter, didn't Oof. 
quite pan out. That opened for previews in December of 94, closes in January of 1995. They actually have to re-record, or they have to record additional dialogue, add it to the show, because when people are sitting in the dark and they've got... Well, they didn't have to wear headphones there because... It was built, uh, speakers were built into your headrest That's it, on exactly. the other side. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. But they were still confused in, in when they sat there in the dark. So they had to bring Kathy and Jimmy and, and Jeffrey Jones back to record additional dialogue. And fixed version opens in June of 1995. Never works really the way Disney wanted. So Alien Counter closes October of 2003. We get Stitch's Great Escape in November of 2004. That also uses binaural sound. It's also doesn't work quite the way they had hoped so i was gonna say it uh it closed in uh january of 2018 i am shocked it ran for 15 years jim I, i'm convinced if we go to the middle of that old show building for stitches mm-hmm. grid escape and the extraterrestrial alien encounter and we dig down a few feet mm-hmm. we're not going to hit salt water but i'm convinced that that part of the magic kingdom is built on an indian burial ground <laughs> Hundred <laughs> percent. I'm not going to say you're wrong. You know, <laughs> he's not so. wrong. That's all I'm saying. He's not wrong. Anyway, so, all right. So all twenty right. years ago today, Jim. Go ahead. Twenty years ago today, we get the Sounds Dangerous show opening in the old Monster Sound Show Theater. Stars Drew Carey, who of course was the star of the Drew Carey Show, which aired on ABC from September of 1995 through uh, September of 2004. Just like Michael Jackson, Drew Carey was and is today still a crazy Disney theme park fan. So Ooh. a family member, Sherry Stevanazzi, who was staying at the Grand Floridian, got in the heli- or, uh, elevator one morning to go downstairs and turned around and she's standing next to Drew Carey and she goes, are you? Into-? No, I get that a lot. I'm not that guy. <laughs> For the rest of the vacation, they seem to get on the elevator at the exact same time and they become very friendly. And in fact, at one point, Sherry is on Main Street, USA, getting an ice cream cone. Drew sees her in the street and comes into the store and starts to hassle her about, why are you following me? I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a genuinely nice guy who loves the Disney parks. And so when the Imagineers approached him, it was, yes. It's like, can we tell you the concept? Of the show? No, I'm going to no. do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> you know, so conceit of the show is you're there to, what, they're showing you the pilot of a, a new television show that Drew's taking part in, the, the Undercover Live, right? That Right. It's a detective show called Undercover Live, mm-hmm. where uh, Drew plays an undercover policeman doing live police work. Mm-hmm. Let's, um, let's listen to a quick uh, clip of it. This one involves Drew Carey and some bees. We can hear everything you hear. Keep going. I'm silently entering Moreno's office now. Boy, it's dark in here. Hey, looks different with the light on. What do you see? Hmm, that's the usual office stuff. Stapler, gyro killer bees. Put it down. Right. Settling torch. Aha! What? What did you find? A date book. Looks like Lefty's got an appointment at Johnny Marsconi's. <coughs> that name rings a bell. Hey, hello? Moreno? The code word for the next shipment is elephant. And watch your back. Some idiot detective is snooping around. 
I'm no idiot. Oops. What was that? That would be the killer bees. This one, as much as the Imagineers loved working with Drew Carey, didn't quite work the way they hoped. And so they make one last stab at doing a binaural show. And this debuts at Disneyland, January 17th, 2001. It's the great moments with Mr. Lincoln road to Gettysburg. And to be honest, Len, this is what basically killed binaural sound at the Disney theme parks for a generation. Did you ever get to experience the show at the parks? No. Great oh. moments with Mr. Lincoln, The Road to Gettysburg. You step into the theater where you Oh, know. no, no, I did. I did. I did. Go ahead. Then you know. You know what it was like to be. Years of therapy, Jim, have allowed me to repress the memory that, that you're about to bring back. Go ahead. <laughs> you put your, your 3D headphones on. You, you've come into the, the Main Street Opera House, sat down, and yeah. they proceed to show you you know movie that's made up of sepia tone photos and that sort of thing but basically you're private john cunningham a union soldier and you've just enlisted so you go to get your your picture taken by matthew brady the famous civil war photographer don't they actually cut your hair before you get your hey son you look a little scruffy let me cut your hair we're gonna have to find this audio because i oh my god yeah uh. <laughs> but then you go to the White House. You know, somehow you've gone to the White House and you you meet Lincoln as as he's hosting Frederick Douglass, the you know the famous abolitionist. And then from there, land it's straight to the battlefield where 3D sound is exploding around you, and you get your right leg blown off. <laughs> this, is, this is what I remember. I remember. Okay, I vaguely remember thinking, what was this that I just listened to? That's bad enough, folks, but now you're in a field hospital, and, you know, they're like, should we cut off his leg? I guess we better cut off his leg. But now Lincoln, out ahead of making his famous Gettysburg Address, is visiting with the wounded, and he evidently he recognizes you from having visited him at the White House. So he leans in close to your ear and, you know, you know leans over your bed and goes, my boy, my dear boy, you must live, my boy. <laughs> <laughs> it was, oh, it's just it's so crazy. There's a reason that Len went into therapy and a, a lot of us just <laughs> the great emancipator, but nobody ever said anything about creepy guy who doesn't understand personal space. <laughs> anyway, that version of Lincoln only lasted yeah, you know, great moments with Lincoln only lasted a few years before it was then shut down and then it was replaced by this retro version of Great Moments right. with Liston Lincoln. They actually went all the way back to the recordings that Royal Dano did for the original uh, original that was done for the Illinois Pavilion at the 1964 World's Fair. Today, uh, when the <laughs> show goes live, is the 55th anniversary of the grand opening of uh, the New York World's Fair. And we've got some uh, we've got some great overview uh, shows of every one of those Disney rides mm -hmm. over, on, uh, over on Bandcamp, right? That we do. All right, before we close out here, and we've been talking about voices and that sort of thing, Len's too shy to mention this, but The Further Adventures of Walt's Frozen Head, is that the name of the, the movie? The, the it's true. So it's a it's a movie that uh, that uh, got funded through, uh, I believe it was Kickstarter, and I was one of the uh, one of the people to fund it. And in return, I got a, uh, a small voice part in the, uh, in the film. By the way, the film is lovely. It mm -hmm. is a lot of fun if you're a, uh, if you're a Disney theme park fan. You should uh, should definitely go watch it. It was uh, 
Oh, Jim, who are the, who are the credits? Who did it? It's written and directed by Benjamin Lancaster and features right. a, a wonderful performance by, by uh, Ron Schneider as Walton. Yeah. Uh, just if you want to hear Glenn's cameo, the movie is currently available for free over on YouTube, which, if you think about it, then allows you to save your pennies for the cruise on the super yacht that the Disney Cruise Line is thinking of buying. <laughs> Every cent counts. By the way, I met uh, I met Ron during the opening night premiere mm-hmm. of The Further Adventures of Walt's Frozen Head. And the first thing I told him was, mm-hmm. from the instant he came on the screen, mm-hmm. I was convinced he was Walt Disney. Like, yeah. there was, it was seamless. Yeah. It was a great performance by, uh, by Ron. And the special effects in the film are, uh, are very good. Also, a lot of the... There are a lot of theme park sort of in jokes and references in there. Absolutely, it's a it's a hoot. It's a great uh, it's a great di- uh, directorial and uh, and writing debut. Mm-hmm. All right, folks, that's going to do it for the show. We're going to close the show uh, after the credits with a clip from Audio Antics that shows how Disney made 3D sound effects. But that's going to do it for us today. For more of our shows, head on over to DisneyDish.BandCamp.com. We are produced fabulously by Aaron Adams, whose delicate painting skills you can see on the restored Salvatore Mundi artwork. Read all about it at vulture.com. And don't forget to go onto iTunes and rate our show and tell us what you'd like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We'll see you on the next show. I call this first one a dark and stormy night. Figured out what's wrong yet? Yes, there was wind and thunder. And of course, frying bacon. Ow! Hot!